What you're about to hear is a little different to our standard price tag pod episode. Not all questions got asked, therefore the price does not reflect the quality of this episode. However, this is by far the most in-depth episode we've ever recorded. Now get ready to jump into the head of our next guest in this episode of Price Tag Pod. From your exact location, we proudly present to you, your host for tonight, here's Ainsley! Welcome to Price Tag Pod, where we attempt to put a price tag on your dignity. I'm your host, Ainsley Bakley May, and I'm joined by my guest for this evening. I bet all of you thought that Price Tag Pod was the only game show out there. But it turns out there's more! In fact, this man is a fellow game show host, a rare and dying breed of people who automatically get my respect. Ladies and gentlemen, the quizmaster himself, Mr. Jack Decker. So the reason why you didn't hear a response is because this part of the episode didn't save. So we'll jump right into the first question, which is about food. You have not tried durian, but you have smelt it, correct? I smelled it, yeah. I would never, I would never eat it. That is the one that smells like rotting meat, right? Corpse. Yeah, it's a corpse. It's, it's, I, I would say it smells like sewage. Sewage. <clears throat> I mean, and, uh, they have a biological garden or whatever in Madison. And that's where it okay. was. And they, but, they, but as you approach it, they have warning signs telling you what oh, you're yeah? Oh, yeah. And you smelled it before you knew the first sign. It was like, oh, shit, what the hell is this? And they warned you and they warned you again. You know, before you got too close, and then you know, basically it was like, and when the first time when you walk in there, when they have little people at the door, um, they warn you, just let you know if you go in that corner, that's what you're gonna, what you're smelling is not an accident. That's what yeah. the plant smells like, and it's amazing how many of the kids love it. They they just yeah. they they're like, wow, this never smelled this before, and the adults are just curious. You walk up and you see it. I couldn't imagine eating it though. I just. Mm. You know, and Limburger cheese is something else that, you know, Limburger cheese um, literally smells like sweaty feet. But that's the thing. I think I think people get to a certain time in their life where they think they've smelt all the smells they're ever going to smell. When something new approaches them, they've never encountered before. They assume it's probably disgusting. Limburger cheese does literally smell like sweaty feet. It's the same chemical. It's the same thing. And. And here in America, there's only one place in America, Mon- uh, Monroe, Wisconsin. There's only one uh, cheese factory that makes Limburger cheese. And they'll give you a tour if you want. It's a, yeah. it's, it was called a guy tour, um, yeah. you know, because the guys are the only ones stupid enough to go <laughs> take it. You know, it's kind of like, oh, you a bunch of you guys going to get, hey, let's go and see the, you know, let's do this and see who's going to, you know, bail first. Um, they actually have, I think, an annual Limburger cheese eating contest. And one of the rules of the contest is you can't vomit. <laughs> oh, my God. Perfect. Okay. Well, on, the, on the back of that yeah. premise, on the back of that premise, the $10, would you have two bites of that cheese? Oh, I, well, I can't. I'm allergic to cheese. Okay. Two bites of durian. Probably not. I, I'm allergic to so many things, so many food groups that it'd be too dangerous for me. Hmm. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm allergic to dairy. I'm allergic to nuts, chocolate, seeds with the food and the meat, which is like tomatoes, bananas, kiwis. Okay. Um, I like I can't drink coke because I'll break out in a rash. Chocolate will make me vomit. Um, when I get old, when I get old, I don't have to take prune juice to be regular. I just have to take uh, tomato juice, and huh. I will be going. I will be going to the bathroom in an hour 
whether I want to go to the bathroom or not. <laughs> you know, I can see you in your uh, in your seventies drinking Bloody Marys. Just uh, you know, wishing <laughs> But you see, I can't drink Bloody Marys because they're yeah. made out of. Um, I can't have grapes that seed in the meat, and I can't have beer because they roast the hops. Supposedly, I can have vodka made out of potatoes, but mm-hmm. I also come from a, a family of um, alcoholics. My father's a functional alcoholic. All three of my brothers are recovering alcoholics. Would you say, could you could you also be allergic to these things if they were in contact with your skin, do you think? Or is it just consumption? Um, well, if it's nuts, yes. Nuts will kill me. Nuts will close down okay. my pipe. Um, I had a girlfriend who I lived with for six years. <laughs> she was getting her doctorate degree in genetics. I would drop her off in the morning and then pick her up after, you know, after work, basically. In the morning, she she wanted to have some nuts. So she, I think she had like, I'm not sure what, maybe almonds, almonds bar, you know, the one that has nuts in it. Yeah. She ate it as soon as she got to the lab. And she brushed her teeth repeatedly over the day, rinsed her mouth out repeatedly over the day, got in the car. But tell me anything, gave me a, a kiss on the cheek, and it was, and then I blistered up. And it was like a per, it was like what you see in movie posters, oh, wow. like the, the perfect lips, you know, yeah. it was red, and it was because her lips were, she wore no lipstick. It was red because of the reaction. And then I said, and I looked in there, and she, and she like, holy smokes. And then she told me what she had done. And I said, all right, um, we're going to go to the emergency room. So for burgers, I will only eat at um, Burger King. Okay. Because they um, flame broil their burgers, they don't put it on the grill because I'm allergic to cheese. So if you have, when they put the cheese on, they'll put it right on the grill to heat it, you know, melt it yeah. down. Yeah. So no, but you know, there would be uh, there would be no money you could pay me to eat something that I wasn't sure that wasn't going to kill me. Of course. Okay. So uh, a, little adju- <laughs> I mean, a little adjustment. Like, like, I, like I say to my friends, I only give restaurants one chance in killing me. They they, yeah. they try to kill me one time. I never That's go it. back to that restaurant again. Okay, for, for ten dollars, uh, you wash your hands with blue cheese, and you can't wash them for an hour for one hour. I don't care. I, I, as long as I don't ingest the cheese, I don't care. That would be an ingestment. It's just that you will have the smell of blue cheese for the yeah, next that's hour. Fine. I don't mind. Yeah. I don't mind. I don't mind. And blue cheese. My dad grew up. My that was my dad's favorite cheese. You Could know. I give you five dollars instead? You can give me a buck. I don't care. I'll give you a buck. Okay, I do it for start a for me. <laughs> There's so many things that can literally kill me that I don't really sweat the small stuff. Yeah. You know? So the thing is with this podcast, I think I forgot to mention at the beginning is I top topics all the time because obviously the questions don't link, and I can imagine it's not an issue for you. You just talk on any top topic. So the next question is related to Star Trek. When did you first watch Star Trek? How old were you? Um, well, I only saw it in reruns. Um, I was I was I was born in 1963, mm-hmm. and so I think that's I think that's when they ended. <laughs> you know, or they started in '63 and ran to '66, something like that. Um, so I was just too young to see it when it first aired. So I actually saw the the good version of of the original Star Trek. Um, uh, William Shatner, who was a uh, James Kirk on Star Trek. He said that the syndication improved Star Trek, the original series, because he had to cut out, I think, five to six minutes for syndication because they want to put in commercials. And so they, he said it just tightened up every episode. It, it, they, they went through it and took out the five to six minutes of fluff 
And so it made a better episode. So when I first saw it, probably when I was probably third grade, so be seven or eight years old. Okay. So, but I only saw it, you know, that time they were in reruns. So you go home yeah. every, and <clears throat> after school, they would be running it every Monday through Friday. So that'd be, you rushed home to, to watch a episode of Star Trek. It was positive. It was, it was the, we're going to work this on out. We're going to figure this on out. The future is not bleak. It's not like Blade Runner. Um, it's not like any other science fiction program I really know. And even the current Star Trek ones, they're very bleak. Uh, they've just gotten darker and darker. And that wasn't the original Star Trek. It was about hope. It was about the promise of a better tomorrow that we're going to figure out these problems. Positivity is still good, though. I appreciate that. It was very positive. It, yeah, I really enjoyed it. So what's the question? 20, yes, for, 20, <laughs> for 25 bucks. Uh, the next three days, you can only speak in cryptic uh, Captain Kirk quotes. quotes. Oh, I wouldn't even be able to do it. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Let's say you have an infinite uh, knowledge about it. You just have a briefing and you have infinite knowledge of Captain oh, Kirk quotes. So you have them in your in your bank. You just you can't speak outside of those quotes. Well, then you're talking about the Star Trek episode with, with Picard. There was a Star Trek episode in Next Generation where Picard was the person that they talked by um, analogies. Yeah, Kirk over water, falling on falling on rocks. Yeah, um, could I? Would I? Oh, for three days? Yeah. If I could, oh sure, oh sure, I'd love to do it around my friends. It'd drive them nuts. Yeah. <laughs> the, the value, of, the value of doing it, and then and I would, I would tell them the day before. All right, I'm going to do this. Of course, then my friends actually know Star Trek would be like, waiting. <laughs> like, well, I don't think you said that. <laughs> you know, it'd be like going through an exam with someone else. <laughs> I think I'll give you a clean. I'll give you a clean twenty-five dollars because I'd quite like to see you do that. I think it'll be a nice time with your friends. Oh, my friends would pay me to do if I could do that. Oh, shit, that'd be hilarious for three days. Oh, you bet. Yeah. Go to work. Well, the work I do now wouldn't matter because you're. Oh, I'm a trucker, so you're you're by yourself all all the time. Yeah. Um, but when I was a marketing consultant, oh, that would be challenging. Yeah, I bet. I would. Okay. I would I'd hold up a sign saying these. Um, Day two of only speaking on Kirk quotes. Yeah. And I know my clients would be laughing. I'd probably have clients calling me up for meetings just to, just to see me do it. You segued, you segued real nice of me there because I was about to say you're a trucker. What's your most and least favorite part of that job? Well, least favorite is, is being run over by a car. Um, I'll tell you that. <laughs> that'd be weird if that was your most favorite, wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd be very weird. Yeah. Um, I came out of a delivery rounding my truck to get into it and a burgundy mgm midget nearly hit my truck um i pushed myself out of the way but my foot was well and that pushed me out of my way and and it ran over my foot i had steel toed shoes that um it hurt like i'll get on out um and that's when i went to the emergency room they x-rayed me and fortunately no fractional bone broken bones then the <clears throat> i was just hobbing around and work the rest of that week rested up didn't do anything for that weekend. I mean, the, the foot was pampered like it's never been pampered before and got into work and it was, it's fine. And then my left double started feeling weird, um, started like feeling like it was catching. Um, the next day, it felt really weird, it was like double catching. And then there was a stop. I unloaded um, 
36 cases, each weighing 50 pounds each at a stop. And then the next stop, I was just picking up some broken glass and a little tray off of a pallet. And it just hurt. It turned on out that um, when I threw myself into the truck, the first thing that hit the truck was my left elbow. And it shattered my left elbow. And they took out this much bone on uh, from this from this uh, forearm bone. So I don't. I only have one joint now in my arm. So I think I'll be getting back to work here soon. I'm hoping to. I, one thing I've learned about this, about being a year off from work, I'll never retire. I just yeah. never will. Yeah. Uh, I know some people that look forward to their retirement. It's like, wow. And well, I look at it this way, man, if you have a job where you're only looking forward to your retirement, get some other work, find yeah, some other absolutely. people. I mean, yeah. why? you're going, you know, especially if you're a man, you might be dying in your job. You may never see retirement. Okay. You may never see your retirement. So uh, no, I, I always tell people that bitch about their job. Why are you in it? What, yeah. what can you possibly be paid? If you, if you hate your job, if I hated being a trucker, I wouldn't do it. Um, I loved, before I was a trucker, I was a marketing consultant. I loved it. But there was a time when it's like, man, I've done this for 30 years. You know, 30 years doing the same shit over and over again. And just a perfect storm hit. And I was like, hell, I have no, I'm not married. have no kids. <laughs> Let's hit the road. Yeah. And, it, and I totally enjoyed OTR. I mean, I, uh, there is a possibility I might go back to that here soon. I'm not sure. I'm thinking that now that I'm getting to know your character, I'm thinking you're going to actually enjoy this question. I'm going to ask it anyway. Okay, sure. Uh, for 50 bucks, the next two weeks, every time you fill up with gas in your truck, you must sing the chorus of American Pie out loud. What? American what? American Pie. By I'm, not in, I'm, not, I'm not into chick flicks, sorry. No, no, it's, <laughs> it's the song American Pie. Never heard of it. Sorry. Bye, 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 Miss American. Pie. I'm not. Uh, you're you're asking show. one person that. Okay, I know very little about it. I don't listen to radio in my car. I, or uh, okay. when I was, I, I listen to audiobooks. I don't listen to the radio when I was being an OTR trucker. I didn't listen to radio unless I unless I was very tired and I want to get pissed off and I turn on to the um, uh, country station yeah. and listen to that. Um, but just just that's just to get me angry and to keep awake. Or normally, what about I would just um, Willie Nelson's on the road again. Oh, I do that. Oh, that's fine. Truckers yeah. sing that all. Truckers sing that all the time. That's you go, you walk point. to a truck stop, you hear a trucker singing that song. <laughs> you know, it is, it is, it is, and it really is. It's, it's a beautiful song for a trucker. You know, yeah. on the road again. You know, how about um, one time on the road again, and then the next time, country roads take me home for oh, three sure. weeks, I can, fifty dollars. Yeah. Well, Three weeks, $50. Every time I fuel up on gas? Yeah. For a trucker, you, you do realize we only fill up on gas one a day, once a day. Yeah, once, yeah that's once every, every few I weeks. could probably yeah. do that. If I did that at a truck stop, I could bet you 50 bucks I could get at least another trucker to join me. In the <laughs> if I sing it loud enough, and I've seen this, I've been at truck stops. Where that's actually happened with Willie Nelson's song on the road again. And, and and by the way, when you hear a trucker sing that, that means he's gotten he's left home. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, everyone says they love home, but man, sometimes it's really nice to get on the road. I will give <laughs> you know? I will give you the fifty bucks, but I'm gonna make it I'm gonna make it a month. Not a problem. All right, let's do it. You know, being a daily driver, um, I'll go a week before I'll fill up my truck. And I got a little tiny gas tank. I drive a pup truck. Literally, was, it's called in the industry a pup truck. Okay. Um, a, tip, a typical uh, OTR truck 
trailer is 53 foot long. Pop truck is only 32 plus. You have to have you have a motorized jack in it, and then you have uh, dollies in it. So typically, like where I work, we have a drug uh, trucker called a transit driver, and he'll make two runs to pick up our pop. And out of those two runs, he'll split those those loads in half, and that's for four pup trucks. So we have a little tiny tank, but we go we we go very very little distances. So in a week, you, you know, if you're saying I do it for a month, you mean four times I sing this at truck stop? Wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, <laughs> you'd, 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 you'd hear. And again, I bet you I could get others at the truck stop to sing it with me. I believe Both you. Songs. I believe you. <laughs> there's a stereotype that Hollywood has of truckers, like really gruff, mean guys. It's a very independent job. It is the last cowboy. Mm. It, is the, it is literally the last cowboy. Um, there were times when I was an OTR trucker and I had a 36-hour reset. And so I said, oh, what the hell? I'll go for this nature walk. And while I'm walking in that nature, I was thinking, wow, if something happened to me, would anyone ever find my body? Because <laughs> I'm, you know, yeah, I mean, it yeah. literally was a thought. And I go mountain climbing, so I don't is, you know, I, I'm going to, I like going off off of the trail. I, I mean, there's a in Wisconsin. There's a lake called Devil's Lake, and this is where the glaciers ended, and so all the glaciers are pushing all this stuff forward, and then they stop, wow. and then they melted and they receded, and and Devil's Lake is basically made of all the boulders that all these glaciers push. So you go boulder climbing, but I would, but I never went. I would never be dumb enough. You go boulder climbing alone. Yeah. If you go boulder climbing alone, you're you're just asking to die. Um, because if you fall down, you break, you can't get out. That's why you always you always go just like mountain climbing. You only idiots go mountain climbing or boulder climbing alone. Mm. You're just you're almost suicide. So when I was on OTR truck and I would go on the I would just go on a nature trail. I would never go off the nature trail because if something happened to me, I no one would find me for very long, if ever. Yeah, so, if ever. Scary stuff. Um, I never have talked to family and friends more than I had as an OTR trucker. Yeah. Though my morning, my first five hours of driving, I listened to audiobooks, uh, alternate between nonfiction and either science fiction or mystery. And but in the afternoon, I could only get like an hour or two of audiobook in before my family and friends would call me on up. And I, I've never had closer relations with all of them than when I was nowhere near them. Because the funny thing is, my my older brother, Eric, um, he's two years older than me. When he was young, he wanted to be a trucker. He was, you know, this is back. Oh, yeah, he was. I mean, this was in the uh, convoy. Don't you you're probably, I don't know how old you are. How old are you? I'm 26. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm huh. 57. Yeah. When I was young. And, and a kid, and we're going on family vacation. Convoy came out. Go and listen. That is the, the ultimate trucker song. Yeah. You <laughs> mean, we got a great big convoy. And our whole family was singing along with it as we're driving across because back then we didn't have, you didn't have, I think, even a Sony man. Yeah. Uh, you, 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 we played card games. You know, I spy, I spy with my some like little eyes. Yeah, I know. Like that. That. I forget yeah. the place it is. You know, or you do license plate collection. Yeah. I have you to know, dramatically well. change the topic of this conversation real sure. quick. Um, we bet. were talking before, I mean, you, you mentioned to me before how you love a good pie. Do you have a specific flavor that you like? Pumpkin. Or is it just pies in general? Pumpkin. Yeah, pumpkin's always been my favorite pie. Uh, when, I, when it was my birthday party, I had a pumpkin pie for my birthday cake. 
as far as other pies, you know, like rhubarb, but not rhubarb, strawberry. Just like rhubarb is very tart pie. Yeah, it is. But if you have strawberry, it just seems like, well, what's the point in having the rhubarb? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, if, you, if you're not going to do the sour bit, then why, why are we here? What are we doing here? Uh, yeah. And just like, you know, like with an apple pie, um, learn this from my mom that you use a, a Granny Smith apples, the green apples. Yeah. Uh, because there's, I, I always thought that was like, you know, says, no, no, you want the tart. Yeah, you do. The sugar is what that provides you the sweet, but you want, if you eat an apple pie, when you're thinking of an apple pie, you're, you can't think of a tartness. Well, that's from the granny apples. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't use like a red delicious, which has absolutely no flavor. Oh, no. Um, you know, or Macintosh, which is a perfect standalone eat apples. Yeah. You know, where I'm here um, from Wisconsin, we have a, exactly, you know, your apples. Oh, yeah. We have, we have what's called Gaze Mills. No, that's not where we mill Gaze. Um, there's a place called Gaze Mills. And that is where all of our apple orchards are. And um, it's in the Kickapoo Valley. And uh, Kickapoo Valley is a beautiful valley. Um, if you it's, uh, put it this way, National Geographic called it one of the most scenic places in America. Wow. I mean, it's in competition with the Grand Canyon. Yeah. And if you were ever to go down the Kickapoo Valley, the way to do it is on a canoe. And when the, when the fall colors hit, because all the trees are either maple or apple. Yeah. And they just beautiful colors all on. It's not just yeah. like brown. Yeah, you know, no, it's beautiful. Reds and oranges and, you know, just, it's just beautiful. So every year, uh, anyone that lives in kind of like the Midwest, you'll go to Gaius Mills and there's apple orchards there and they have all the different varieties. Um, and, the, and they have little cards that tell you what the apples are for. I didn't, I never, I didn't even realize that there was different, you know, some are for pies, yeah. <laughs> some are for jams, some are for eating alone. Cider. Um, cider. Oh yeah. It's just like, maybe let me tell you this. No, no. It was just like, wow. You know, and it's just, like, and it's just apples, apples, every apple. Yeah. And one thing, if you ever go up there, there's oh, the all, all places have one, we go to a sunrise orchard and um, they have fresh apple cider donuts. Oh, nice. And they just, Oh, they just melt in your mouth. Yeah. You know, and then there's another place where you can get out and <clears throat> they use um Granny Smith because they want the sour, the tartness. Yeah. And they'll and they'll have this little punch that takes out the core and slices them into pieces. Yes. And then they take hot yeah. caramel and they pour over the hot caramel over. So it's yeah. Oh, it's just delicious. It's it's a, a must have. You'll see people come there that you know that they come there before because first they'll just go right to get their Old bowl of caramel with uh, apple and caramel, and then you walk around and, and you look, and they they have maple syrup there because again, maple trees. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a huge thing, and buses will come. You know, Chicago comes up all the time. I'm excited to see how you're going to take this question. Um, sure, hundred bucks. Every sixth pie you eat for the next year is going to be dry and flaky. Dry and flaky. Yeah, yeah. pumpkin pie. Yeah, I don't know how it's dry and flaky, but it is. No, it, would just, it would just be a yeah. I've had I've had um things that they're called, and I think they're called tart pumpkin pies. You can have pies that they purposely have it be dry. It's kind of it's um yeah that's that's nothing unusual. I mean it's not what you'd normally eat, but I've gone to I gone to Wisconsin delis where they have um let's call it dry pumpkin pie. Huh. It's just it's just it's just um a pumpkin pie that. Uh, they let cook a little bit longer, and they'll tell you how long it's been on the display. You want if you want if you're into that, yeah. <laughs> okay. If you're into that, um, you look at how how long how old it is. You know, it's a it's a gummy pumpkin pie. Okay, 
Okay, I'm going to say every every third pie then for the next year, and that's a hundred dollars. Wouldn't be a problem, not with that. You know, if you get every other one, probably no, no. Can I give you ninety dollars? Ninety dollars, third pie every uh, for the next year. Oh, if you're providing me the pumpkin pies, I'm not going to turn it down. Ninety dollars <laughs> your way, sir. Oh, there we go. No, it wouldn't be a problem. It's also a Midwest thing here. I've never been to any other state, any other area that doesn't have a, a it's called a tart pumpkin pie. Everyone thinks pumpkin pies have to be, you know, very moist, but mm-hmm. it's just like anything. If you eat stuff enough time, you want to try it another way. We talked a lot, we talk quite a bit about Wisconsin right now. Um, we talked a lot about, I mean, it's famous for its cheese and its old fashions as well, brandy old fashions. But yeah. can you tell me anything else about the state that y'all might not know? Um, well, of course, we have the Packers. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Green Bay Packers football team, Lambeau Field. That's not, if you if you are ever into football, I mean, as in American football, I know you call soccer football over. I, I know the differences. I, I follow Bill Burr's podcast, so I know a lot about Red Sox and Tom Brady and things like that. Okay, well, well, Red Sox is actually a baseball team. Um, oh, sorry. About yeah. football. <laughs> That's okay. I'm not really into sports that much myself, but Lambeau Field is on many people's bucket list. If you ever do Lambeau Field, um, you'd be doing, you'd be stupid <laughs> to go to Lambeau Field and not show up several hours early and stay several hours later because the Lambeau, the, to get the real Lambo experience is, is the tailgate parties oh, yeah. and everyone's friendly. Everyone's friendly. This is a small little town. Green Bay is, I think the smallest city that has a professional football team. Wisconsin takes very strong pride in those and, and the Green Bay Packers. It's the only publicly owned football team. Huh. It's, it's, it's owned, actually is owned by stockholders and they're not billionaires. I mean, all the other ones, you know, all these billionaires that is a toy and a write-off for them. It's all owned by, it was started by the Packers, which were, which was a meat packing plant in Green Bay, Green Bay Packers. Yeah. You know, and that's what they were called. Unlike our teams, our, our, I've had our people that have gone to our, our places and you don't, they don't treat the, the visiting fans of the team. Well, no, I'm Wisconsin. You come on up. We don't care. You're here to enjoy football. And we're here to enjoy football and you're very welcome to come in. On and you'll 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 eat more brats and that's another thing in Wisconsin. Yeah, you know, adults eat brats, children eat hot dogs. And there's a time in your child, if you're a Wisconsin um, child, there's a time when you make it the transition from hot dog to rot, and it's kind of like a coming of age almost. Well, <laughs> um, it's just I remember my the last time we my dad made hot dogs. Um, my dad was born on July 4th, which is the Independence Day here in America. Yes, and. Um, his, he was from a, a farming family. Um, his, father was, his father was also a veterinarian, so they were not hurting at all, but they worked. And he worked on July 4th. So every July 4th, he made sure that it was a big celebration. No one worked. He was a, he was a professor of psychology, chairman of the psychology department for Union University of Wisconsin-Platteville. And he had his faculty party on July 4th. Mm. And um, big, big cookout. I mean, multiple grills, you know. Um, he'd he'd make his brats. He'd soak them in beer and bratwurst the oh, night before. Yeah, and they would melt in your mouth. Yeah, but as a kid, oh my god, no! But there was a point where it's just like a coming of age. And then the last, and then my youngest brother David, uh, he was the last one of my brothers that was still eating hot dogs. And it was literally July Fourth. My dad bought all these hot dogs. 
And Dave's like, no, I want brats. But no, in Wisconsin, it's, it's brats uh, for adults, hot dogs for kids. Yeah. Um, and what else? Um, oh, Wisconsin, um, uh, we're a cheese-making state. Uh, we export more cheese than any other state. Uh, California has more um, dairy cows, but they make, but they have their dairy cows for milk. In Wisconsin, 95% of all milk is made into cheese and 5% is made for milk for consumers and is basically viewed as uh, like a public service. Hmm. You know, they, they, the money is in the cheese. It's not, it's yeah. not in the milk. No, no. Um, so they, but they would do it because they're always, they have a lot of angry neighbors that they didn't provide the milk. Um, but that is that. So you have all the different cheeses um, that you can possibly imagine is being made. Uh, there's the Wisconsin uh, artisan cheese makers, just fantastic cheeses. But if you're a Wisconsin resident and you know where all the, these little cheese factories are, they, some of them don't even have signs outside. How you know them is that they have a stone basement painted white. And you, and you go over there and, and you, that's how you would know. And that's where all the locals go. And if you're a Wisconsinite, typically you don't tell anyone else where you get your your cheese from because you don't want them to over. These are these are small cheese factories. You literally have given me the exact answers what I was looking for. Um, Five hundred bucks. Would you become vegan for one week? Well, I have. I mean, not purposely. When it's in survival. Yeah. Uh, I had to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, after a week, you can uh, put it this way. When my instructor was walking over the hill. And it's a distance away. You're so hungry that you can smell the flavor of this Kool-Aid. Wow. It's hundreds of feet away from you. And you can smell it. Um, you can smell food around you. You'd be surprised. And, and, and in survival, they teach you what you can and can't eat. By the way, if anyone out there is listening to this or watching this, don't ever pick mushrooms unless you know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the red with white dots. No, you don't want to do that if you're trying to survive. You, you need your wits. You know, and just like, but there's a lot of stuff you learn. I mean, when the killing, they give you a goat, they let you name it. Then they string up their hind legs and give you a hammer and tell you to kill it. Wow. Yes, right. You, yes. you can but just you take, you can just take the 500 bucks, I think. <laughs> I'm giving you 500 bucks. There you go. Thank you very there much. There go. Just because of the goat story made me sad inside. <laughs> well, it's just, but, but, but the, the point of that, I mean, when you have that, you take out a, a, a group. Okay, and you and you pick the person that's going to have the most problem with it. And actually, they, they torture the animal. You know that's why they never give the hammer to the, the survival suit. Whoa, whoa, one whack and that thing is dead. Yeah, you know, like this. And there now you're just torturing. How can you put this? And it's not to be cruel. It's you got to survive. You got to do some things that that are not pleasant. There's there's not going to be a you're not going to be able to walk in. There's no there's no hospital or clinic that's going to come along your way there's no mcdonald's that you're going to stumble across that's civilization yeah um, they used to starve the students you know restrict their food not the they, they do starve the instructor trainees trust me i know that yeah. for a fact they don't starve the normal uh survival school student you know like the airman that the pilot and the loadmaster that's coming through the, to have their survival training because then you just get like what we were like I could smell my instructor's cool, the flavor of his cool, because that's the only thing you think about. And I tell you what, it is. It is. You are so focused on food, um, nothing registers. Not, not, unless it's something teaching you about how to, to acquire and, and secure and safely eat food, 
couldn't care less. So that's why they don't with the regular students. They they want to give you encouragement. They want to give you the the false uh, hope that you're going to survive. I, this this next topic, which I really wanted to talk to you about, but I have to I, I have to also give us a sense of uh, time perspective too, because I, I know we could talk for days about this next topic. Oh, really? what is um, that? Let's let's try to be let's try to be let's try to be as short and sweet as we Concise? can. Um, okay. You consider yourself a pragmatic libertarian, so I would like you to define what that term is, what issues you feel most passionate about, concisely. A pragmatic libertarian is one is not an idea. The opposite of a pragmatic libertarian is an idealist libertarian. I want a libertarian world now, okay? I don't want transitional points. Um, I want it now. I want all the prisons, all released, all those who have victims of crimes, et cetera. A pragmatic libertarian realizes that we have to have the public on our side. And and we have to also, there's a role for government. And also libertarians are not anarchists. Uh, That's what a lot of people think they are, and they're not. A pragmatic libertarian is, is what can we do now that gets us closer to more freedom, more liberty. That's what a pragmatic libertarian is, is what can I convince the voters or my fellow lawmakers? Um, how can I take this bill that may be absolutely horrible as far as libertarian is concerned? And if, and if I was in Congress, um, how could I make this bill uh, just a little bit less totalitarian? Uh, that's being pragmatic. Not being an idealist, well, I won't vote for this bill unless it's absolutely perfect. Nope, 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 nope. Mm-hmm. Pragmatic one is like, okay, this bill's going to pass. Like, wow, this this part here is really bad. This is this is taking away people's liberties. Maybe I can use my political clout to make that not so bad, not eliminate, but just not make it so bad. That's a that's to me as a pragmatic libertarian. Um, when I joined the military, I did not join the military to defend democracy. Democracy is mob rule. It's the freedom of speech. Of all of those bill rights, so it's the freedom of speech. If your country does not have a constitutional right to freedom of speech with an independent judiciary, you don't have freedom. Uh, parliamentary governments are a horrible government. That's mob rule. Um, parliamentary governments, the party in power, writes everything. I mean, look, how many, look at France. How many constitutions have they gone through? I mean, it's, it's a joke. So that, to me, of all those, freedom of speech. Without freedom of speech, you have no other freedoms. Uh, that, is or, the or the that is the perfect layup for this question. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> $1,000. The next two weeks, you must live your life in a Marxist utopia. Everything is state-owned and regulated, and capitalism is a thing of the distant past. I did that. It's called the U.S. military. That's a pretty interesting point. No, I mean, seriously, the ultimate, the most effective communist organization is a military. Communism is um, from each's ability to each's needs, right? Yeah. What's the military? In the military, when you join, you lose all your freedoms. The Bill of Rights does not apply to you. It's the Uniform Code of Military Justice. I, I kind of jokingly tell people when I was a, a US, U.S. soldier, I was not an American because Americans have the Bill of Rights. As a soldier, you do not have the Bill of Rights. You do not have freedom of speech. You do not have freedom of assembly. You do not have freedom of press. You, do not, um, you don't have freedoms that you don't even think are freedoms, like freedom of movement, um, freedom of choice of profession. You are not, I do not believe you're an American citizen when you're a U.S. soldier. 
you don't have the Bill of Rights. Uh, they can literally send you on suicide missions. You will know that you're, you, they, they will make it. Yeah, you're going on a suicide mission. In other words, you're going on a mission that the likelihood of you coming back alive is <laughs> very small. Yeah. Okay. So you are the, if you want to know what uh, is the closest thing, I think we have to slavery without being slavery. If you lived in the U.S. military, you, you have lived the communist ideal. It is a totalitarian. They own you, not figuratively, literally. Unlike your job, which you could probably walk, you're a bartender, right? Mm. You could have walked and left that job, right? Yeah, I, I have done before, yeah. Yeah, screw you. I'm out of here. Fuck you. I'm out of here and walk out. Yeah. Uh, you can't do that as a soldier. No. <laughs> uh, you walk out without their permission, that's AOL. You're going to Leavenworth. And Leavenworth is forever boot camp. And boot camp is not a place you want to go. And that's boot camp as far as the Marines and the Army are concerned. Air Force's boot camp, oh, my God, is, <laughs> is a joke. And, but then again, we're not, we're not combat soldiers. You know, 95% of all Air Force people are to support. Yeah. Uh, every time you see a jet fly, there wasn't one person making that jet fly. It was a whole infrastructure. Jets are uh, fire jets, air cargo jets. There's a whole infrastructure behind it. So um, you you would take my thousand for the two weeks, would you say? Could you take could you take nine hundred? I literally did it for minimum wage when I was in survival. I mean, when I was in the in the military, so I didn't join up again. I saw it for what it was. This is one of the reasons why I'm a libertarian. Yeah. I experienced a totalitarian state, and that's the U.S. military. And they're at their absolute total disregard. I participated in Grenada, uh, which was a little it was Reagan's little war. <laughs> okay. And we had a general hold up our evac, a med evac flight, which is a medical evacuation flight. And he held it up because he's a general. He can do that for his photo op. Huh. These men are needing immediate medical care. It's a med evac, okay? Yeah. It's a medical evacuation. And he held them up for a photo op. That's how meaningless we are to the generals, to most of them. We're just, we're just props for a photo opportunity. And then when you, then when I was watching, I'm seeing all these dead bodies we're bringing back. And on the news, it said no one died. And I remember telling my sergeant, then who are these guys? And he says, these guys have no names, no families. And we, and we stacked them up like they were big logs of wood. Now, America's isolationist. Okay, you have to understand that. Truly isolationist. Um, China used to be this way. The China symbol is a box with line through the middle. And that line means center of the, center of the world. Um, but America's truly isolation. We did not want to go into World War One. We did not want to go into World War II. We don't want to be involved as George Washington, our, our first president. So we do not entangle us, ourselves in foreign affairs. So we've gone in, we've taken over countries, then we rebuilt them, we left. Now, I think it was stupid what we did in Afghanistan. I, I really think that we should not be going in world, world building. I don't, I don't think that America should be into world building. We got our own problems. You know, we should spend our time with this our own problems. You, you brushed very slightly there in the Middle East, which is interesting for me, because you, you said yourself that you're an atheist. Uh, when did you come to this realization, and what's your relationship with other people which hold high religious beliefs? Oh, one time, I, well, I was almost a religious minister. Huh. I, had a, I had a sponsoring church. You wear many childhood. hats. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm 57 years old. You, you live until 57-year-old. You live, unless you live a very dull life, you'll, you'll have many different, you'll have more or less different sets. When I was 13, I found out my father was going to die of leukemia in five years. In five years, he did die of leukemia. 
they were spot on. But I'm 13 years old and I found out my father's going to die. And I didn't know better. I was a child. My children believe in Santa Claus. I did stupid stuff. Tried to make a deal with God, take me, not my dad. Um, I became very religious. But then you grow up. <laughs> um, yeah, really, you do. Just like you outgrow Santa Claus. When you're a little kid, you believe in Santa Claus. Talk about the police state. He knows when you are sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Yeah. That song should not be sung like a Christmas carol. That should be sung like a horror film. Yeah. You know, but you believed in it. Okay. There, you had evidence. I mean, better than even God had. You had evidence. There's Christmas presents in, this, in your stocking. You know, this guy came around. You know, when I was young, I, I laid in front. I laid in front. Of, I put my sleeping bag in front of the fireplace. I strung up some cans of little nuts on in the bolt nuts in the middle so that rattle. I had my camera there. I was going to prove the kids at school that there was a Santa Claus. Then my brother, second oldest brother, came and woke me up. Hey. Help me put candy in the stockings. Uh-huh. You know, oh, Santa gonna get pissed on this. And I woke up in the morning and I thought, oh my God, we're all getting cold. They were there. The candy that my brother put in was there. Yeah. That morning I asked my dad, Santa Claus real. And then my dad, because my younger brother was two years old, he still believes in Santa Claus. Then my dad did a tap dance around that topic like you couldn't imagine. Fred Astaire yeah, but- would have been impressed by my dad. But I knew because he did the tap dance that, okay, it's not real. So when I was, so I grew up when I got 13, et cetera, my father found was leukemia. I, I, I went into very, very religious. Um, I was a really good kid. When you find out your father's going to die in five years, uh, it changes your world um, when you're 13. I didn't want anyone close to me. I didn't want to lose someone else. I knew I was losing my dad. And I saw what leukemia does to you. Or either not leukemia, but chemotherapy. Yeah, correct. It, to you. Um, it just devastated me. Then I went to the military. Uh, I went to the military partly to show my dad I was going to be okay. I knew because you know, I was 15, 13 when I found out he was going to die in five years, which means 18. I knew I wasn't lying to myself. I knew he was going to die in five years. So when I was 17, 18, I was trying to think what I could do to show my dad that I was going to be okay. So I thought I'd join the military. I have a job, you know, and I told him that. Uh, he came down from my technical training in Waco, Texas. And it was very important to me that I bought my dad dinner. Yeah, it was. Uh, he knew that was important. He was going to pay for it, like fathers always do. This. No, this is, and he like, oh no, take this. And I says, no, dad, I really. And he understood the gravity of the situation. He let me, because I want to show them I was an adult. You think about it. I mean, he's dying, or whatever. But one of the things I want to do for my dad is at least not worry about me. I'm going to be okay, dad. And then you might told him that he was. That was a dumb reason to join the military. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I bet, I bet. <laughs> And, but I, but that was me trying to think of it on my own because I didn't want to. I mean, I never when I, when I found out my dad was going to die in thirteen. I do not ever recall having an argument with my dad. Yeah, they had support groups for children of terminally ill people, and I went to one of them. And you had these older people that had been children when their parents had died, and now they're here to kind of like partly is say, "Hey, it's survivable. You know, I'm here." And and the great thing about it was that support group was literally we could ask any question so one of the things they did tell me was one of the biggest regrets of children of parents who have had terminal illness and they know that they're going to die is a lot of them the last conversation they had with their with their father or mother was an argument and i swore to myself oh hell no the last conversation i have with my dad is not going to be an argument and because leukemia he could die at any time he'd catch a flu and it would kill him for last 
three years of his life, he went down to Texas, Florida, because being I'm we were up in Plant, Wisconsin, we're up where snow is, and that's a flu country. And yeah, yeah. So he went down there. So I I I missed out on my dad for uh, three months out of every year because he went down to avoid winter. And then so, but then when I my father died when I was going through um, technical training, um, I finished technical training, went home, spent a month with my dad. The Red Cross is really good about it. My dad called him on him, so one more time with my son. Yeah. And they said, got it. My commanding officer says, uh, much time as you want. You know, don't care. Yeah. It's been time. Yeah. It was time for me to go. So I drove down on on the way down, my dad died. In yeah. fact, um, I showed up, I stayed and I figured, oh, I'm here. It's kind of evening. I'll stay in a hotel. Came in there as soon as I arrived. My my um, NCYC of the of the unit that was parked. He grabbed me and said, "Holy smoke! Where have you been? We've been sending out everyone to find you. They've been calling up hotels, etc. I don't know why they didn't think of using my name at the hotel. I yeah. didn't hide myself, you know. But they were trying to find me, and the Red Cross was trying to find me. There were state troopers, I guess, they were looking for my car. And they rushed me to the, they were having me sign papers. My sergeant says, just sign it. You know, <laughs> just sign. We're trying to get you out of here right yeah. now. And as they're signing the paper, they're trying to rush me through, get me out. And then Scal came in and I just thought, oh, she came in and whispered something to the Red Cross worker and then stood back and, and folded her hands in front of her. They said, at such and such time, your father died. Came out. Met my commanding officer, my my division commander, and my first sergeant was out there. They found out what was happening out, and I couldn't stop the tears. I saluted them, and I couldn't say what well, you're supposed to, you know, hello, sir. This I couldn't speak. I was fighting, just trying to keep back, and I was so ashamed of myself that I was crying. But it was very quick, and, the, and the, my commanding officer. I I think the only thing he says, I'm so sorry for your loss. Yeah. Yeah. So my my dad died, and um, I was going to be a minister. Um, my dad was a very logical man, and um, I had to be really sure. I was about to tell people to believe in something. I had to be certain myself because of how my father trained me, um, you know, logically. Um, I didn't ask for God to communicate with me. I did not, anyone, you ever meet a minister says, God told me to become a minister. Oh my God, the ego of that person. Yeah, oh, yeah. You think you're that special. Really? God's talking to you. First of all, if you actually believe that, you're crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but the, the, the arrogance of such a statement. So I didn't ask for a personal communication with God. I didn't ask for a miracle. I didn't ask for a sign. Only thing I want is that your logic doesn't contradict itself. And then I sat down. And I already read through the Bible already once, several times, actually, and read through it again. I just wrote up a little list. So, and then I came up, and, and I whittled it down to 10 questions. And I said, I, I need the answers to these that I accept. Um, and they're all where the contradicts itself. And then I went to my childhood minister, Ken Merckx, and asked him, he couldn't answer a single one of the questions. 
Um, and then I went to others. I went, I talked to a Catholic priest. Uh, he moved, he sent me up to a Catholic bishop. I talked to a Baptist minister, a Methodist minister, a Presbyterian minister. I went to talk to a fundamentalist. I went to a Bible study minister. I went to all these and I had these questions and they all treated me very nicely. And they all realized I was very sincere. And I told them what the situation was. I, I have to have answers to these questions because if I'm going to say this to my congregation, I have to be certain that, that this is right. And to me, it was like the the logic of the it was Christianity. The logic of the of the religion did not contradict itself. It's very philosophical. Yeah, they, they are very philosophical, and they couldn't answer any of them. The best answer they could have it was a horrible answer. I called them on it. Is that you have to have faith? It's a bullshit. Yeah, yeah, bullshit. I started questioning other things of the religion, and, and it just the I grew up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Mm. I stopped believing in Santa Claus, a second Santa Claus, which is what, you know, and he's a very evil. I mean, let's be honest about the Christian God, the Jewish, Christian, Muslim, Mormon God, which are all the same one, (laughs) is the evilest person being that has ever existed, ever. I have to ask this question right after that (laughs) one, because that's the perfect layup. Thanks, Jack. Okay. $25,000. Convert to to Christianity for two years, attending all events and going door to door weekly, spreading the word of Jesus Christ. No, no, I couldn't in good conscience. Couldn't as a minister. That's why I gave up. I gave up seminary school. I gave up a sponsoring church. I had everything. I knew everything. I had everything laid out for me by my childhood minister. Heck, he wanted me to marry his daughter. Um, One month? No. Nothing. Not even a second. Yeah, I, I can I can respect changing the question. Um, I actually quite like this question better. Um, $25,000. You develop an irrational fear of oak trees and that they could fall on you in any second, severely affecting your enjoyment outdoors. You do know that I'm allergic to outdoors, right? <laughs> I wear but do long you hike? Pants. Yes, I do. And I wear long pants and I wear long socks and I have hiking boots and I wear gloves nature and me do not get along but now you're if scared have, of falling oak trees that's an extra thing on top now scared of falling oak trees well I, how, how would i be scared of that you just have an irrational fear of oak trees irrational falling on fear. You. i don't have irrational fears well, i have now you do I have, I have enough i have enough real life threatening things that can literally kill me or make my life horrible I don't need to add fake ones on top. But if you say I had that, I, I, I've lived my life this way so long, I can't even imagine having an, an irrational fear like that. If I did, what was the question again? <laughs> I'm afraid of oak trees falling on me. Yeah, so for $25,000, you develop an irrational fear of oak trees and that they could fall on you at any second. I got enough fears. I don't need to add to them. Uh, you couldn't you can you could add any figure on that you can add a billion dollars on that wouldn't wouldn't take it wouldn't take it I, okay no wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't take it um i could use the money definitely could use money right now um but no my, my life is enough of a struggle as it is i don't need to add to it you know and right now i'm 57 years old i've gone to the emergency room so many times over my life because my throat was closing down and I was going to die. So I don't need to take an hour. You couldn't, you couldn't pay me to have that fear. Um, I can't do many professions because I'm allergic. I can't cut lawns. Can't, I'm allergic to cut grass. If I, have, if I wore shorts, which I never do, 
and a, and a weed were to rub to or to just rub against my leg, um, uh, a rash would develop right where right then and there. Wow. Okay, let's try this. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> for fifty thousand dollars, the next ten years of your life is recorded in front of a live studio audience. Okay. You don't mind laughter tracks and things like that? Well, I mean, so live studio audience, I really don't have anything I'm really embarrassed about. I mean, doing sex in front of a studio audience, that'd be kind of weird. Um, but I mean, I don't do anything freaky, <laughs> you know? Um, and I'm kind of like my own studio audience. I, I, I weigh everything I do. Um, sometimes it's very depressing, you know? Um, but that I look back and I says, well, did you operate? Is there anything you should be ashamed of? And there's very few things in my life that I, I am ashamed of. There are some statements I've made to people that I wish I had, could take back. There's some things I had done. I wish I, I hadn't done. Yeah. I got enough regrets. <laughs> so, anyways. I'm interested, I'm interested in your take for this question because this was kind of based around um, the field of dreams to your favorite movie. Um, yes. I checked out the trailer. I didn't watch the full movie, um, oh, yeah. but I understand kind of the concept. I read a little bit about it and stuff like that. So for a quarter of a million dollars, for the rest of your life, you can hear voices giving you advice um, about your current situation in your head. It's beneficial and helpful about 30% of the time, but the rest of the time it's bad advice. Oh, no, it's myself. <laughs> yeah, but it's in your head. So, you know, no one else hears it. It's just yeah, that's what, Yeah, I mean... I don't hear voices, but I'm calmly making commentary on my own life. I'm calmly blaming everything. So, and I and I realize I'm not perfect. And if I was thirty percent correct, boy, gosh, I'd be fan. I'd I'd be the richest man in the world, probably. <laughs> so, I mean, thirty percent is is a very high. Uh, I'd be very happy if I could make thirty percent of all my decisions to be correct. So, what I what the voices I are here, everyone hears in the inner monologue. You know, let's so say one would, in one in five. Then one in five is helpful, and I'll give you uh, I don't know two hundred sixty thousand. Well, I would just ignore the. I would if, if they're doing that, I would just evaluate it for what they're saying, just like anyone else. If you you if you follow what anyone says blindly, um, that's one reason why I was not. A, I didn't become ministers because I wouldn't follow, follow blindly. So if they're hearing voices, yeah, they can talk all they want. I'll, I'll evaluate them just like anything else, any other person talking to me. When we're talking now, I'm evaluating you. It's a social psychologist in me. It's just a human being, though, isn't it, really? You, you kind of yeah. evaluate everything. And, 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 you're, and you're trying to make the best decisions you can. And you're trying, and you're having an internal, I have an internal monologue going on. And, and a lot of the time, it's not even pros and cons. That, that'd be great. Oh my God, if I could know what is pro and what is con, holy smokes, life would be so simple. Yeah. Reality is a bunch of grays. You're trying to decide between grays and they're not solid grays or patchy grays. They're looking at two of them. You don't know which one is gray or not. Um, just like, you know, Captain Kirk. Spock was one voice in his head. McCoy was the other one. That's why I thought it would have been so great if it was always a question of whether or not Spock and McCoy were real. I wish I could give you more hypothetical money for this question, but um, I, I can't. I can't do more for you. It's a shame. <laughs> An extremely humbling answer, and I really appreciate um, the time you've given me today. These stories have been very touching. Well, it's just it's life. You live it at is. fifty-seven. You live and you have twice your age. 
you're going to have experiences that are coming on up. I will get you know, there. I'm very confident yep. I'll get there one day. I, I hope, I'm I hope in no rush. Could. You know what? I'm in no rush. I'm enjoying every moment I, that I am learning. And, and I did too. I, yeah. I, I though I'm very patient. If, any, if I have any fault, that's I'm too patient at times. Me too. And other times you'll say I'm impatient. But um, uh, I'm, I'm willing to put in the time. Today, the price of Mr. Jack Decker's dignity is $301,566. You, uh, you have shared a lot about yourself today. So I would like for you to finalize everything and, and explain what you're doing. Um, so your YouTube show, basically, this is oh, your that's time. Just, that's, just, that, that's just uh, the YouTube show called Interrogation. Uh, if you've ever played the game, the parlor, old parlor game, 20 questions. That's what it is. Um, you see, when I was young, um, I had a lot of things wrong. Like all my allergies, I would go in for weekly allergy shots. They were not nice. They were not fun. Okay. And my dad would take me uh, from Plateau to Madison to get the shots done. And while we're driving, we would play 20 questions. And that was just me and my dad. And so uh, that game has always been special. And then when I saw What's My Line, which was years later, <laughs> I never saw it in its original run. Oh, I loved it because of that. It, it reminded me of, of my time with my father. Now, since I've done this, I've had from Pakistan, China, Liberia, England, Australia. I've had them from all over the United States. And now I have the whole world open to me. And, and it's just been fantastic. And, and every contestant I've had on, I can't say that they're friends, but they're very definitely... Uh, friendly acquaintances that I've had, and I've kept up with them. Uh, what, uh, my dream, besides doing it full time, kind of like be the Opal Winfrey of YouTube. You know, that's what that's what I'm hoping to, to become. COVID made me come up with this, and I'm hoping to be able to get back to being a trucker here soon. And then I can just have like two recording sessions a month, and I have all the daily content, and I'll let that grow. Then I then I'd love to do it. And I do it for the rest of my life. I'm I, I enjoy the game. I enjoy talking to the people. And so far, I've enjoyed every time I've done it. And I'm hoping to be helping others. I, you are more than welcome to come on, but you'd have to show your face because... Um, yeah, I'm content with that. You know, and then the fun part about it is when the second contestant goes in the in two contestant videos, the first contestant appears in the lower right corner. So it's really funny what, what some of the contestants, they'll, they'll take out props and they'll play with them. They'll, they'll, get, they'll ask wrong questions. You know, they're trying to throw them on off. And everyone seems to have a, no one's really taking that seriously. And I hope yeah. no one takes the game show seriously. It's just a game show. Exactly. But I also realize there's a time when you need to relax. Yeah. Um, to have a laugh. I, there have been years when I, I didn't feel I laughed at all. And, and I know as an adult, as 57 years old, I know that the importance of having a laugh. I know the importance of kicking back and just like, okay, I'm just going to put my mind on pause. <laughs> you know, yeah. just like, let's, you know, just entertain me, you know. Um, I, oh, yeah, great. Come on to my show. Great. That'd be, and I, I honestly would love to have you on my show. Just out of curiosity, why don't you show your, why don't you show your image yourself? So this, uh, the logo. This is an audio podcast. So I just. Oh, it's audio. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. sorry. Also, all my hand gestures were for for not <laughs> okay. Pretty much, yes. Yeah. So it's hundred percent audio. Sorry. I don't know how season two is going to play out, but um, let's. I'm going to have to um, call this interview. We'll start wrapping this interview up because it's three o'clock sure. in the morning here now, and I'm getting. Oh, into really? It's eight, yeah, it's eight here. Eight eleven yeah. here. So, um, Jack, thanks a lot for being on the show. Do you have any Thank final final thoughts? Any nice snippets before we leave to tell the audience before we call it a day? 
I think that your viewers have a very uh, interesting podcast. Um, I, I guess you'll be the first podcast I subscribe to. I don't. Um, I think this would be. I think this is like the book of questions that was popular in the 1980s. And I don't, you know, about the the prices, et cetera. Yeah, you're asking them to make a uh, dilemma choice. You know, and I think I think I was not. I think now after I've done it, I think that it's, it's a pretty good thing as long as you don't get too focused on the money. I don't know if you should even call it a game show. I think this is far more than a game show. I, I'm, I run a game show, so I think I can safely <laughs> say I, I can put down game shows. Okay, this is far more in-depth than my show is. We can talk about marketing for sure because, I mean, that is, of course, your... Yeah. Um, but I mean, this is, a, this is a really this is a really good... And I would think... And I would recommend you make a video turn have a, a video podcast um I, you might be missing a lot of body language but again then again i know a lot of people that listen to the podcasts as they go to work every morning and in the evening and i know when i go to the gym i i have videos that you want to watch you know for the the visual aspect of it and the ones that you just want to listen to and the ones you want to listen to like a podcast yours will be one of them now um, I just have to figure out how to get the podcast. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm not reopen podcasts, but I'll, now I'll do that, and I'll hopefully I can get a, some app on my phone to do that. But this way, this is something I would listen to when I'm at the gym. So this has been Price Tag Pod. My name is Ainsley Blakely May. I've had a great time, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>